I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You know, they go from just, like, scraping fossils and, like, not having electricity to, like, <laughs> riding each other's face. Maybe that's what that was like back then. Like, I, you know. I mean, maybe. You know, they rode horses, they rode faces. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just natural. They were just, like, came to them in the moment. Yeah, I don't know. All right, all right. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is officially not endorsing Caitlyn Jenner for governor of California. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with actor and writer Mackenzie Lansing about the signs, as in the signs that you were gay all along. Oh, good. I was afraid it was going to be the Joaquin Phoenix movie. I thought we were just going to talk about Ace of Base. <laughs> and that's it. End of bit. Okay. <laughs> Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, listen to us on Stereo. It's in the notes. You know the drill, everybody. On Patreon, that is where we do all of our chit-chat and pop culture talk. We are talking about Tegan and Sarah. We're talking about Taylor Swift and her shocking admission. We're talking about comedy stuff that's going on, veganism, and a guest that many of you have masturbated to that's going to be upcoming. So if you want to learn who that is and hear all that, you can go over to patreon.com slash diking out and get that juicy content. Saving the favorite announcement for the end. Of course, we have our May 16th Dyke Cookout in collaboration with Dyke Beer. 
We're going to be playing sports. We're going to be meeting queers from, I don't know, all over the country. People are flying in for this. We find yes. out more and more people have bought plane tickets, which blows my mind. And It's going to be epic. There may be after parties at some queer bars to support the lesbian bars. Who knows? It's going to be wild. We want a full report on who hooks up with who. <laughs> we're already doing some matchmaking offline. And we're going to see what happens, you know. There are some uh, past guests of the podcast who are going to be there, some past maybe intern of the podcast who will be there. We'll see. We'll see. So come out. I mean, most importantly, Melody and I are going to be there. Yeah. Come hang with us. Watch us grill up some vegan dogs, some yeah dogs. We'll be there May 16th, Queensboro Park. The details are in our bio on Instagram at Diking Out. Can't wait. What's the gayest thing you did this week, Melody? I hung out with multiple dykes. Okay. Over the weekend. Okay. I can't remember the last time I did that. Definitely pre COVID. Right. It was beautiful. The food was delicious, of course. You were talking lesbians making homemade focaccia, you know, like lots of delicious vegan dips. Beautiful. I just, I clammed up when I walked in. You know, some of them did say they listened to the podcast. Hey, ladies, I swear (laughs) I'm cooler. I'm entering a social situation. Just gonna, gonna take a little while to get there. I just walked. Melody, did you freak out our listeners? Yeah, I walked out onto Erica Rose, past guest, friend of the pods patio she hosted this hangout for i guess a group of dykes who will be at cherry grove on fire island at the same time i think we're all staying in the same place and then there's only like six units and then others are staying elsewhere close by i think i don't know i showed up late (laughs) that's why i don't know so everyone was there and i got to walk out and shakily say there's so many lesbians. That was my first line. And I'm sorry <laughs> to those of you who were there. And I'm sorry to my community. I <laughs> I host hiking. I need to be able to greet lesbians. <laughs> and I, it's really just me emerging from the pandemic. We're all going through it. How do you hang out in a group? What do you say when you're the last one? And you walk out and you're greeted with a lot of cool, gorgeous queer woman. I don't know. Excited to reacclimate myself. I mean, you could have been like, hey, how was everyone's lesbian visibility week last week? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Feeling invisible? <laughs> I'm really good at this. I'm really good at what to say to a group of lesbians you don't know. Yeah. It didn't occur to me as a bisexual. I thought you were going to say that you're most bisexual thing or that you know you're a bisexual is that you keep getting this haircut. <laughs> Let me turn on the ring light just to show you this haircut. Do you see how short it is? I love it. It's I love getting it. shorter and shorter. So maybe I am getting queer and queer and <laughs> it is a sharp cut on that. That is a I, I really, great edge. I said give me the Rosamond. Yeah. Rosamond Pike. Love it. It's impossible for me to get a trim. And I think it's because of having like immigrant parents or something or just like being frugal or being a Capricorn or being obsessed with money. You know, like I'm just like I'm paying all this money for a New York haircut and I'm going to get an inch like no. Like, you know, like I 
I'm I'm with you there. I have to do something drastic. I've and never gotten a trim that I've felt good about afterwards. I'm always like, I should have gotten more off because I paid a lot of money. My hair looks almost the same. Right. Yeah. So, like, I told him, and I was like, no, you're going to be level-headed today. Just get your trim. My last haircut was very short and back and angled front. I was like, okay, just, I don't like that anymore. Just tell him to fix the angle, make it a blunt cut, only an inch. And, like, I got shampooed. I was, he was he started cutting, and then I couldn't help myself and was like, wait! <laughs> Which scared him. Rightfully so. Uh, and then I, like, flipped onto, like, a very old pinterest account and like knew what i was scrolling for like an image <laughs> from years ago and showed him a very short haircut and got it and panicked walking out of there like had to facetime so you didn't show rosamund pike oh no i didn't i didn't actually say give me the rosamund i said that to myself in the mirror for a month chaotic lying bisexual <laughs> Got me. No, I really had to FaceTime anyone in my recent calls until someone picked up. Just like, tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> I love like, it. And not just because I also got my haircut, Melody. I see it kind of behind your headphones. I have my headphones on. And let me tell you, if I put a straightener to it, we'd have the same haircut. We have a real Luann Bethany situation going on. I put a straightener to this when I got home because I wanted to see how much like the Rosamund it looked. (laughs) We have the same haircut. Great. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think the gayest thing of the week is that we got matching haircuts, Melody. Yeah. (laughs) The thing that I felt made mine... Gay, though, because it was like a normal haircut because I actually did just get a trim. I'm trying to grow it out. Was that I went to the salon that one of our listeners goes to as well. One of our listeners that I follow on Instagram got a haircut and posted it. And I DM them and said, would would it be weird if I went to the same salon as you? Because I don't want to pay the tolls to go into New York and then to have to park and all of that to see the hairdresser I was seeing. So I was like, I'll find one that, you know, someone who's stylish goes to. And Mm -hmm. this listener has great hair and got a great cut. Shout out to Daria. Shout out to, yeah, why don't I just come out with it? Daria, you're looking great. So we're doxing you for being (laughs) fabulous, darling. Right. So, yeah, I got my haircut there. And I thought that was going to be the gayest thing. But then I came home and Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> tweeted a picture of her. I don't. It could be another Rosie. There might be some people new to the pod this episode. It's Rosie O'Donnell, guys. Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, okay. Tweeted. The one on the pillow behind me mm-hmm. tweeted a picture of her to promote something. And I just replied to it looking fire emoji. (laughs) That's not like you. (laughs) No, she just tweeted it. And I know that she'll kind of see things only like if she's on Twitter in the moment. So if I see that she's tweeted something and like within the last minute, sometimes I'll reply. I've been spacing it out. I've been giving her space, but you know, she looked great in this picture. So I'm like, I'm going to give her a little flirt and say, look and fire. <laughs> See if I, I mean, get her attention. At least you didn't comment first. Um. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't know what that meant. Good. Thank God. What am I saying? She's on TikTok more than 
the both of us oh, times yeah, 100. Oh, yeah, she knows. So she knows what's up. She loves TikTok. <laughs> okay, well. It's time. I'm so excited. It's time. I'm so, so excited. I was really looking forward to this interview. I've been looking forward to it since I've met this person. Today, we are diking out with actor and writer and you holler Mackenzie Lansing about the signs. You have seen Mackenzie on Amazon's Red Oaks and HBO's The Deuce and now Mayor of Easttown. We're going to get into it. We're so excited. Let's get to it. Mackenzie, thank you so much for being here and diking out with us. Finally, the day has come. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I mean, I already gushed to you guys earlier, but yeah, so excited to be on the podcast, finally. <laughs> been hinting at it for years now, so I'm just kidding. Yes, no, you, you have been on the radar. I had a feeling, so listeners, Mackenzie and I, we met after the suit show that happened two years? No, it was more than that. Three years ago? What is time? Maybe three years. I don't know. Yeah, what is time? It's really hard to pin down. All I remember was I was wearing a suit, did a comedy show, met Mackenzie, had a really cool story, and we became Facebook friends, and I've been following your your journey since, and you were on the show The Deuce. Yeah. And you've done like some theater and stuff. You also write. And now you're on Maravie's Town. And I am like freaking out for you. So when this comes out, only two episodes have come out. So I don't know what becomes of your character yet. But when did you record this? Well, we started before the pandemic happened. And then we got, we were like 80% done. And then the pandemic hit. And we went on hiatus, and we didn't know if we were going to come back. And Kate sent a really lovely, Kate Winslet sent a really lovely email to all the crew and cast being like, First name basis. I love that. (laughs) Just throwing it in there. (laughs) Yeah, no, she sent a really lovely email being like, I believe in this project. Like, we're going to come back, which was really great that she sent that to everybody. And then, yeah, we picked up, and I think like two months after, we were, we wrapped Amazing. Yeah, that's got to be nerve wracking because a lot of TV shows, especially, just were canceled yeah. for good. They're like, you know, it's going to be too much work. And they had to kind of prioritize which things were going to production. So we saw like a lot of shows not get picked up or not continue during that time. So I'm glad that you guys were able to finish. I was mostly asking when you filmed because I want to know if you had filmed with Kate before or after having seen Ammonite, but now I know the answer is before. And by seeing Ammonite, I mean her boobies. The scene in it, yeah. (laughs) I actually haven't watched it because it's kind of weird now. Well, it's because like I know her now, so it's like, I gotta watch it, but she was talking about it on set. She was being like, you know, Oh, yes, you know, Saoirse Ronan is so lovely. And, like, all this stuff. And I had to, like, just kind of nod and pretend like I didn't know. Oh, like, you did a movie. That's so cool. Not like it was, like, on my, like, lesbian watch list. But now I feel, like, weird about it. Like, I don't know why. (laughs) No, you should feel weird about it. Because the the thing is, it is, like, the best lesbian sex scene in a movie. But it's also... 
it feels like she's out of character. It feels like both of them are out of character for it because what you would think is impossible with Kate because she's so good at being in character. Yeah. But this whole movie, there's these two characters and then they have sex and it's like nothing like their characters. And it just seems like Kate and Saoirse are horny for each other and like living their best life. The sex felt modern. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a lot of people are saying. The sex felt very modern, very uninhibited. Was it like a blue is the warmest color kind of thing? Because like I know that that has problems because of that, right? Where the sex feels sort of so out of the movie. No, because, well, because blue is the warmest color was so just like male gaze yeah, and weird and pornographic different. feeling. Like this still does feel like one of those lesbian, as another podcast calls them, bond drums, like bonnet drama, period piece, whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know, they do have like their layers and like petticoats that they have to take off before having sex. But, but then it's like, you know, they go from just like scraping fossils and like not having electricity to like riding each other's face maybe that's what that was like back then like I, you know I mean maybe you know they rode horses they rode faces yeah maybe it was just natural they were just like came to them in the moment yeah I don't know all right all right did you ever, you know, you're you're a talented actress obviously did you ever in your like wildest imagination though think you'd be opposite Kate Winslet I mean, I imagined it a lot, but, like, but, I, I didn't yeah, think it would actually yeah, yeah. happen. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think I do a lot of, like, deciding that I'm going to work with people. And, like, I'm yes. not big into, like, the secret and, like, all that, you know, shit. But I do I do think that, like, if you want to reach a certain place, you have to know what that is. And that involves being really specific about what it looks like. And then it is kind of eerie later when you're like, oh, this is, like, exactly like or pretty much what I pictured kind of thing. Cause I, yeah. I love her. Like I've followed her for like a long time and you know, uh, Clementine in eternal uh, sunshine of the spotless mind. <laughs> yes. That's like one of the movies that made me want to be an actor. So that was like yes. cool. And I got to tell her that too, which was, well, which was really exciting. Very cool. Very exciting. Well, before we keep going on about stuff, because I really jumped ahead. Melody, do you have something you want to ask Mackenzie? Yeah, I've been dying to know. Mackenzie, what is the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, boy. I didn't know you were going to ask me this. I'm just kidding. I listen to this podcast all the time. So, okay, this is the number one gayest thing I did this week. So it's a bit of a story. So I started working with a publicist. And so I've had to, like, go back over my social media, get rid of things that maybe I shouldn't have on there, and, like, you know, whatever. And, like, start using Twitter again. Because I created a Twitter account, like, four years ago, and then didn't use it. And so I'm going back on... You. Thank you. So Healthy. I'm going back on my <laughs> Twitter, and I see that, basically, I created a Twitter account, did one tweet, and then, like, stopped using it. So I tweeted, yeah. like... Something like, my crush on Emma Willman has gotten to the point that I'm, like, joining Twitter just so I can follow her or something like that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so gay. Yeah, but it's not the gayest thing I did. What happened is then I checked my inbox, and I had a message from her from, like, four years ago being like, oh. yo, find me on Instagram. And then I'm sure it was her, It was her like, social media person or whatever. No, it was no, her. her. It was Emma. It was yeah. a but, million percent Emma. <laughs> but she was like, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I had a shot, like, four years ago. You had ago. a shot. Wow. No, but like, and then I, like, sat there, and I was like, do I do something about this? And so the gayest thing I did this week is I gay panicked about something that <laughs> happened four years ago and then did nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... That's perfectly gay yeah. and perfect for this podcast because... It's on brand. <laughs> on brand. 
Yeah, we have Emma Willman <laughs> perform in a lot of our shows. We love her so much. She's wild, and she was totally trying to shoot her shot. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah, very gay. Gay panicking, love a gay panic story. Going back to Maravie's Town because oh. I'm obsessed. Yeah, it is what I'm we're sorry. texting about a lot this week. Like, we're both, yes. oh, good. it's our new favorite show, and we've only seen two episodes. It's so good. Yeah. What was it like to, and I promise all the questions aren't going to be about Kate Winslet, but what was it That's like fun. to call her a fucking bitch to her face? Oh my god, it was so exciting and like it was really scary though. Like I like people were like tweeting at me being like, yo, it looked like she was gonna punch you. I'm like, you weren't there. I thought she was gonna hit me. Like I didn't oh I didn't sort of think she was gonna hit me. I was convinced she was going to fucking punch me in the face because she's so in character. And then we like kind of yes. ad-libbed at the end. They like cut it. But like, you know, as I walked out, because like I kind of wanted to see if I could get her to do it because I thought like maybe that would be cool. Like, I don't know what was going on in my head, but I was like something like that. So I like, as I was walking out, like I think I told her to kiss my ass. Like I added that line. And then she like yells at me as like I'm being like escorted out of the station or whatever. Like someone better change her fucking diaper trammel or something like that. So we like, had a lot of like cursing at each other. But she's really like... Great. And as soon as the camera cut was always like super nice to me. So I felt comfortable being extra mean to her because she was like, you know, she was like good with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I listened around when Ammonite came out. I listened to her interview on NPR where she talked about the filming of Mary Easttown and told the story about riding in the trunk to make the actors more comfortable for a scene they were filming. And that's when I'm like, is she not the best? Like, she just seems like you would want her to be like everything that you would hope that Kate Winslet is in person from interviews and everything. It seems like that's really true. She's hilarious. Like she's way funnier than I'll ever be like just (laughs) so funny. Like, you know, have you ever seen that show Extras? Like with Extras. Ricky? That's yeah. what I was just thinking That's what she's about. like. Yes. Like, her yes. in Extras offset is exactly what she's like. Like, she'll be, like, doing a really intense scene and crying, and then it'll cut, and she'll just be like, oh, these fucking, like, this fucking day. You know, she's just, like, yeah. she's so funny. But she also was, like, super encouraging and, like, I think knew how important it was to me to meet her. So, like, any chance she get was just, like, giving me life advice, telling me about her family, asking me questions. She, like, was talking to me. I just went through my breakup with my ex, and she was, like, talking to me. Yeah, like, relationships are hard. I dated this or that person, and this happened kind of thing. I'm not going to share it on here, but you know what I mean? Like, it was just, just such a generous person with her, like, time in life. She's awesome. That's awesome. And that's great to hear. I also read that... Sorry, Melody, you're looking at me like, Carolyn, you're obsessed. Uh, I know you are. Mackenzie, I also read and I was surprised that you said that you actually relate a lot to your character. Now, again, I've only seen two episodes, but your character, when I saw it, I was like, whoa, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to be more popular, I think I'd be like, yeah, it was really hard to connect to someone that mean, but like, (laughs) I'm I'm not like a bad person or anything, but like when I was a teenager, like I used to get into a lot of fistfights. Like I grew up in kind of a rough area outside of Paris and like all my friends were guys and we were like in the punk scene and I used to be like a hazer. So I used to like beat people up twice my size to see if they could hang out with us so like only dudes just so we're clear who are bigger than me so I feel like that makes it a little better um I'm not strong I'm just angrier than most people like when I get going so like yeah that was like what I was like when I was a teenager and then I found like acting and like oh like I can actually use these feelings rather than like throwing them on other people and like so for me it was like Brianna was 
kind of who I could have ended up being if I hadn't gotten out of my town. Yeah. I I mean, you play it so well. And I saw you posted some tweets that people were having about the character. (laughs) Yeah, I've been answering all my mean tweets. I oh, love I need to see these. I can only so imagine. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> Mackenzie, you're killing it by answering the, the mean tweets. But it, you're right. It's like, you know, you're doing well because it's making people angry and people are having this like really big reaction to your character. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Like you want to hate her and like her character has a whole journey. Like I'm not going to spoil anything, but yeah. Right. <laughs> Excited to see it. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you, you know, your your beginning. So I just think it's so interesting. You grew up in France (laughs) and I forget the the exact story, but I know when we first met, you mentioned something about your parents being in a cult. So I kind of say that. I view it that way. I understand other people don't view it that way, but I'll stick by what I said. Uh, My parents were missionaries. That's how it is, though. A lot of people, there's a lot of disagreement as to what's a cult and what's not a cult. So I think if you think it's a cult, it's a cult. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I feel. I think anything that, like, (laughs) discourages leaving, that cuts you off from the rest of the community, that, you know, tries to marry you off young, like, shit like that. I just, I'm like, makes you wear a purity ring. Like, I'm just like my parents were luckily actually not as deep in it as other people it was kind of a subgroup that we were associated to but my parents were missionaries originally they're not anymore and so that's why we moved around we lived in the Congo and then we ended up in France kind of through happenstance and ended up stuck there because there was war in the Congo and then we ran out of money so we were stuck (laughs) and uh, ended up staying there for like my whole life until I moved here basically Wow, wow wait when did you move to the states I think I was like 19 or 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a cult because it was just, it was intense. Like I wasn't allowed to watch My Little Pony growing up because it had magic in it and magic is from the devil. I see. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That kind. And it, did it start out in the U.S.? So were you born in the U.S.? I was, but we were like passing okay. through. Like not all my sisters are born in the U.S. Okay. I was born in uh, New Jersey because my mom drove there because she wanted the doctor who gave birth to me to never have performed an abortion before. Wow. Oh. So that's the only reason I was born in New Jersey. Like, we weren't living there or anything. Where were you living at the time that she, like, like, abortion central? Like, where were she? <laughs> we, lived in, we lived in Wisconsin, but we had to drive all the way to New Jersey We lived find... inside Planned Parenthood, so we had to, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I actually, to be totally honest with you, like, the first few years of my life are kind of fuzzy getting the timeline straight, but basically, sure, sure. we didn't have a house of our own. We were more or less, like, surf couch surfing and like staying at like grandparents house while we you know do what a lot of missionaries do which is they like fundraise they get other people to support them so that they can you know go live overseas spread the good word or whatever so that's what we did for the first few years and they really wanted to go to africa so we went to the congo then we were there like when Mobutu was overthrown when the bombing started and it was like right in our town and like we left on like one of the last planes they were letting out of the country for that time such an interesting background which is why i'm excited for 
this discussion because, yeah, I mean, I think this is something universal talking about the signs that we were queer along our, our journey. And you look back and you're like, should I have known then? Or, you know, it, it's always a lot more clear in hindsight. But I wonder what they were like for you, because a lot of them are like cultural markers yeah. and things and being in France. And then obviously with your family's background, like I find that a lot of people, especially who it takes longer to realize that they're queer, it's because they didn't know it was a possibility. Yes. I literally did not know what a lesbian was until I was like, I don't know, like 19. Like it was bad. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew that gay was a thing, but my mom, like, I think, no, I asked my mom what lesbians were and she was like, well, by this point, like my parents had kind of like dropped the missionary thing and were becoming more open-minded, but my still, my mom at the time still kind of had some hangups about like lesbians, I think, or maybe just didn't know. I mean, just so we're clear, she's, she's great now, but like, this is a long time ago. Uh, but we had these gay men and she was like, well, gay men, it makes sense because something goes in something else. Lesbians (laughs) are people who are too ugly to get a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, that was her hot take. Um, I feel like that's the hot take my mom has, but just didn't say out loud. Yes. But I feel like she was very confused by it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had like a very specific idea of what a lesbian was. And yeah. was like, but this doesn't add up. <laughs> like, I think actually until I started having sex with women, which was not that long ago, like, I don't think I really had any idea, like, what women did together. So to me, it just wasn't a possibility. I was like, well, it's not an option. Like, it'd be really nice yeah. if it was like kind of thing, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but you're, that's so true. Like just going back to what you said earlier, I think people who are uprooted or who grow up in various places, you know, especially when it comes to like talking about queerness, which in some circles is like, you know, like not something that everybody's comfortable talking about. So maybe you have those conversations. Yeah. yeah. It's taboo. That's what I'm trying to say. So like, maybe you have those conversations once you get a little bit deeper with people because we were moving so much. I didn't ever get to that point in conversations where I could be like, so I've been having these thoughts. Like, is that weird? So I just like, (laughs) it's all surface level assumed that everybody would have liked to be with women better, but that that's just not how things work. (laughs) Right. Right. So what was your timeline? I guess let's establish your timeline from when you first started thinking like maybe I am to realizing like oh I am so for me it's like really staggered because I had like two instances where I almost came out of the closet and I forgot about both of them like I had to go to therapy and I was like oh my god I've made out with a woman before like I didn't even fucking know that because yes like (laughs) (laughs) because like I did such like a careful job of like repressing that shit because to me, the worst thing in the world you could be was a lesbian or in French, this, you know, the equivalent for dyke in French is Gwyn. So like, to me, like Gwyn was like what people used to call me in school as like a slur. And that was like the worst possible thing you could be. So there were like, obviously there were lots of clues, but then like the two most marking moments were when I was 17 years old, and I'm so sorry if he's listening to this, but my first boyfriend ever, Maxence, like I got drunk with my sister at a bar that I think is not there anymore called The Who, which is right next to the to the Seine. Mm-hmm. And with my sister, we met two other girls there who were nice, and we started hanging out with them or whatever. Long story short, we ended up under one of, you know, on the lower level next to the Seine, like under the bridge, like yeah. super romantic or whatever. My sister was off talking to, like, the girl that was her age, and they, like, they, like, kissed, like, real fast. And we're like, hey, 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 that was 
so stupid. And we were like, oh my God, should we like do that? And I remember like the whole night just being mesmerized by this chick. And we made out for like an hour. And I was 17. And then I like woke up the next, I was still like deep into Christianity at that point. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my God, like, does this mean I'm like, I didn't even know what gay was. It's like, does that mean that one of those girls, like the weird girls, my sister was like, no, you were just drunk. Like, don't worry about it. I was like, you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then I like forgot about it for years. And then when I was in college, someone who will remain nameless, she and I used to like make out for attention But then it was, like, every single night at the same bar. And then it got to the point where I was, like, dragging her into the bathroom to make out with me, consensually. Uh, And, like, us, like, going a little bit further in there. I was pretty drunk every time to get up the courage. But this was, like, a regular thing. And then I decided, I was like, oh, I think I have a crush on this girl. And I should, like, ask her out. Like, I think I like her. So I had her meet me at the same bar, but, like, sober this time. And I was like, look, I I think I like you, and I, like, want to be with you. And by this point, I'd already talked to two of my friends who were gay guys, and they were like, yeah, you you might be a lesbian. And I was like, I think I am. And I told her, and she just rejected me and, like, laughed in my face. And it was so fucking devastating because I liked her so much. And I just, like, pretended like it was a joke. And the next day at college, you know, when these two people were like, oh, so, like, did you talk to so-and-so? I was like... I was like, oh, I was just kidding. Like, that was just a joke. That was so stupid. Whatever. <laughs> and then, like, went running okay. back into the closet. She's a dyke and she's listening right now. Right, right. She has a baby and a husband, so I hope not for her sake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all performers here. We we all love attention, but not that much. Like, not. I wouldn't love attention enough to make out with someone. In an empty bathroom? where no one else can see you. Yeah. And like regularly <laughs> yeah. make, regularly make out with someone over time and be like, Oh, isn't this attention? Great. I feel nothing, but this, <laughs> this is looking at it. Like, what? She yeah. was obviously like repressing hard and was, I don't, know. I don't know. She was definitely more in the, like, let's make out, out where people can see us. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. But let's like practice in the bathroom first. <laughs> just so we get it right you know for like, the big show yeah like dude and then like guys would come hit on us and i think that she i don't want to speak for her but i think she was kind of like oh this was the point you know and then i'd be like no like go away we're busy like when right like, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> so there are like a lot of there are really obvious things like that where i should have known but both of those i like didn't even identify as bi after those i like i forgot about both of them i fully fucking repressed them completely and after years of therapy was like oh my god this actually isn't that crazy because i've done stuff with women before i just didn't remember it that's so funny to me because earlier today i was watching this sketch from lily singh's show that somebody posted and it's called am i queer and it was like a game show and the whole thing was like i don't know i i was watching it i'm like it's not that hard. And I know listeners, like, ho- hold on a second. Like, I know for some people it's really hard to figure out. I know it's hard, like, when you're you're young and stuff. But just from my experience, personally, it was like, well, I am attracted to, <laughs> to women. I want to make out with them. I want to date them. I want to, like, do things with them. So, like, yeah, I'm queer. It's easy. And then if you don't want to do that, then then you're probably not queer. That's as simple as it is. I know it's more complicated for a lot of other people, but I think the complicated thing, as we talked about before, is just that not realizing that you can live your life like that, that you're not just doing, like, this weird thing or that it's, like, this offshoot, that it's, like, part of who you are. 
maybe? Yeah. I mean, I think also, like, you know, there's so many factors, but, like, religion moving around, like, whatever, even just, like, your brain chemistry, because, like, I grew up with somebody in the exact same circle, like, literally same circumstances, like, French-American was part of the religious thing, and they're non-binary, and they're queer, and the second that they realized they were queer, in spite of, like, all this outward influence, they were just like, fuck it, I like women, like, whatever, what are you gonna do about it? But, like, I don't think that I'm any less gay or queer than they are, but it's just, like, how you process things, and they're just, like, way ballsier than I am. Also, like, (laughs) I liked attention from guys. I didn't like it when they tried to do anything other than, like, just compliment me. I was like, oh, this is nice. This feels good. But, like, I didn't realize that for a really long time because I was like, well, I don't hate this person, and I like what he's wearing. Right. So that must be attraction. I honestly thought I was a sociopath. I googled, am I a sociopath? More often than I ever occurred to me to Google, am I gay? Because I was just... the first person. Really? Michelle Badillo did that as well. They found a history of her Google searches, her past Google searches. And one was like, am I a sociopath? And it was around the time that she was Googling about like sexuality and stuff like that. I mean, I had so many boyfriends, like not so many, but I had boyfriends. I didn't do much with any of them until I got to college and felt like I had to. But like, I liked attention and I especially really enjoyed being that powerful of being like, oh my God, this person can really like me and I can secretly not give a fuck about them. And isn't that so fucking cool? And then like (laughs) women just scared the shit out of me because I liked them so much. And I think that that was just confusing because I was like, well, I don't want to be scared. I want to be comfortable and confident. So I guess I'll date men because that right. Also, I didn't feel like there was any other option, but I had so many beards, like so many beards. (laughs) And they were real beards. Like, we didn't make out or anything. Like, it was, like, a yeah. beard beard. Oh, so so did they know, like, kind of the deal or? No, it wasn't that kind of situation. I just, like, okay. was, like, I'm a Christian. Like, I'm playing coy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then anytime <laughs> I tried to, like, do anything, I had, like, pan- with men, I, like, had panic attacks for a really long time. And I was, like, oh, it's religious trauma. Like, that must be what it is. Which I'm sure right. that was, like, mixed in there somewhere. But, yeah, I think it was definitely, like, I don't want your dick. <laughs> Well, I think it's harder for people who are more sexually fluid, too. So, you know, what I was saying before that it was, like, so easy for me, like, once I realized, like, once it clicked, then I was like, oh, okay, now everything makes sense. And, like, of course I'm gay, duh, whatever. But it was because I so clearly, like, once I had my first crush on a lesbian, it was, like, so different than anything I had felt for a guy. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you're, like, having feelings for guys, but also having feelings for girls. And then like, as women, we like bond differently with other women anyway. Like, yeah, I I do get how it can be confusing. And I'm here to confirm that as the sexually fluid one. Hi. I'm thinking um, about you, Melody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about you. I, yeah, I actually had the opposite experience though. I was really afraid of boys and I thought I was a lesbian because I was so bullied by boys growing up that I, like I would be attracted to women, I'd be attracted to men, but I would never act on my attraction to men because they were terrifying. And the first time I had a crush on a girl, made out with a girl, that's how I 
was like, I'm a lesbian. Because I just wanted that to be true for so long because men were so horrifying to me. And it's only like in the last few years that I've been like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm bi. But yeah. Yeah, you're not alone. Like I identify as a lesbian, but my best friend, Riley, who's probably listening to this. Hi, Riley. Hi, Riley. She identified <laughs> as a lesbian for like so long and then only realized she was bi like later like she had the opposite journey that I did where I was like well I must be bi and then was like oh no no I'm definitely like gay 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 um yeah but yeah there are other people who have that like opposite journey I think she said for like similar reasons as you you know where like it was just came more naturally for whatever reason to like date women first right I'm gonna go with the nicer ones like I don't know like (laughs) yeah that does make more sense I don't know why (laughs) why I didn't do that you were punk, man. You like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like nice people. <laughs> Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Did you join any punk scene when you got to the States? I need to know. Or was that all in <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't really feel like there was. I mean, I'm sure people will contradict me on this, but I feel like... I grew up in kind of like a rougher area outside of Paris where that was just, we didn't like buy like fancy clothes. People were wearing like tattered clothes and like mohawks made with like egg whites or soap. Like it was pretty like rough. So like when I, people introduced me to what they called punk here, including like an ex who was very involved in that scene. Like the music is amazing, but the scene is very, it's New York, you know, it's very polished. It would kind of be like the same as the punk scene in Paris. Like I grew up not in Paris, but the punk scene in Paris is very like, you know, they're dressed punk, but it's, like, super expensive clothes. It's, like, you're, like, yeah, dude, yeah. like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what I am now, so I probably shouldn't shit on it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. it's also, I mean, the culture in France, it's, like, 
everyone's like kissing each other as a greeting. Couples are like very affectionate with each other. I I just feel like there'd be a lot of room for for confusion. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hang out with women very much. I had like two I had like two or three female friends who I was like desperately in love with. Like one of them got a boyfriend and I cried for three weeks and was like, I just like it's not it's not because I like her or whatever. Um, but I mainly hung out with with guys because I just felt more comfortable. Like even though I'm I'm you know kind of more on the femme side of things, like I definitely just like connected more with dudes, and that to me was like, oh well, I must be straight because look at all the men that I hang out with and don't do anything with. <laughs> yeah, that that was one of the things I want to talk about. Like when you look at the signs, a lot of people will go back to their relationships with their close friends who were women yeah. growing up and how there were complicated feelings. And that's always been something that I never personally related to because I, I don't remember having those feelings, like especially for my closest friends, I definitely didn't. And once I realized I was gay, I was even more paranoid that I was afraid that they th- thought that I might, you know, right. but for me, like the sign was just not being able to relate to my friends at all. Like once they started going through their boy phase, I was like, this is boring. Uh, why are we following these guys around? Why do we all have to have a crush? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. See, I felt that way, but I always just like chalked it up to being ambitious. I was like, I don't care about boys because I want to make something of myself. And like guys are something that you right. kind of have to put up with along the way. And like, it wasn't yep. until, like, I started to have a career that I was, like, I'm, like, still really unhappy. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like, I still, like, kind of hate my life right now. Um, and then after coming out, like, everything kind of fell into place. But, yeah, like, I had not, like, it wasn't, like, one of those things where all the female friends that I had I was in love with. There are people who, especially if you're listening to this, like, don't get any ideas, who, like, it was totally platonic with. But there were two people right. in particular who, like, the way I treated them was, like, not the way you treat a friend, do you know what I mean? With just, like, obsessing yeah. over pictures of them, having, like, I don't know how to fucking know, like, having sex dreams about them, like, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, stuff like that, where it's, like, also, like, another thing, I was thinking about this today, I literally, out of the guys that I dated before I came out, I can't really remember what I thought the first time I saw them, or when I first saw them, to be really honest, but there's this girl who I was friends with when I was 14, And the second she stepped out of her car at summer camp, I was like, who the fuck is that? And I remember to this day, like, exactly what she was wearing, like, how my stomach felt and everything. Oh, wow. Right. Very gay memory. (laughs) Yes. That is, that is such a sign, having a gay memory. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Like the real slow motion, like, dream weaver. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was definitely, she had, like, you know, the, oh, God, I hope she doesn't listen to this, whatever. She had, like, the multicolor high socks and, like, those, like, chunky shoes that were in in like the whatever like early 2000s or whatever and like there was definitely some rock song playing in slow-mo as she walked out of the car and had like blue hair and I was like oh my god who's that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I love that and and also sort of related are those ring of key moments where I remember just really being fixated on the people around me the older people who I knew were gay or thought might be 
gay. So it'd be like yes. my aunt's friend Kevin and being so like, why isn't Kevin here? Why aren't you bringing Kevin around? Because <laughs> he was like a gay man who wore great smelling cologne. And I just wanted to be around him all the time because <laughs> he just seemed like so, I don't know, like non-threatening. And like I felt even though I was like eight. OK, I was eight. But I'm like, I, I relate to you, Kevin. I'm with you. I get it. (laughs) Good old Kev. We're on the same wavelength, you and I. I'm eight, but I get it. (laughs) Man, like, that's so funny because I actually had the opposite thing. And this is partially the religious stuff, but I fucking hated lesbians. Like, I just, like, anytime I met a lesbian, I never said anything, but I was like, ew, gross, hate you. And it was because I hated myself so much. But, like, I didn't have the same reaction to gay men. Which is why it wasn't just a religious thing. It was very much, like, because I identified with something there, and it made me yeah. really, really, really uncomfortable. Obsessed with them, but also uncomfortable. Like, yeah. Yeah. I had that, too. Yeah. We, we used to insult. I mean, literally, our insult in our friend group in, like, when I was, like, 11, 12 or something would just be putting on a French accent, actually, and we would go, <laughs> lesbian, like, a really, like, cartoonish <laughs> That was our go-to insult, so no wonder it took so long. Oh, my God. I mean, the whole driver for me wanting to kiss a guy. So I I don't know if this was, like, the lingo for everyone or if this was a a regional thing. I mean, I know people use the word prude differently, but prude specifically, like, in middle school meant you hadn't French kissed somebody before. Mm. So it was like, oh, she's prude, she's prude, she's not prude because she's you know, tongue kissed a boy, whatever. And I was like one of the last of my friends to make out with a boy. And I was just on a mission. But like, I was also like, I don't want these guys to think I like them. So I'm like keeping my distance because I don't want them because I don't like them. And all my friends are just like boy crazy. I don't know. And all I wanted to do was make out with the guys. So I wouldn't be prude anymore. My one friend was like, oh, Carolyn, like, if you don't make out with the guy soon, you're going to become a lesbian. And I was like, <gasps> no, like I have to. And this was like seventh grade. And that but that was in my mind. I'm like, well, I, I got to find a boyfriend. I got to make out with him, whatever, so that I'm I don't become yep. a lesbian. She can't be right. So <laughs> that's how that's amazing. That's like so many people's story, though. Like, that's how I got my first boyfriend. We were together for two years, like in high school. But like, I had never had a boyfriend. I had managed to dodge that bullet like in and out. And, like, I had even, like, let people think that I had had sex with guys, like, so that, like, they would get off my back. Like, it was something that I did regularly. I was pretty solid at it. And then, like, there was this guy who was, like, one of my best friends who just decided he liked me the other day. One day, and I was like, fuck, man. Like, come on. Like, because I was pretty good at picking people who I was like, oh, this person I trust. And they're, like, friend zoning me. Like, this is great. And this guy, like, out of the blue was like, oh, I have a huge crush on Mackenzie. And he was, like, about it for, like, months. And I just kept, like pretending like playing dumb and like avoiding the thing and then I remember like he was about to give up and some girl made a joke where she was like in French she's like uh like what's your problem Mackenzie are you a, are you a dyke like and like literally my eyes went as wide as place I ran to go find him and I was like we're dating now and like that was that Oh, You're yeah. like, feel free to tell everybody that we're having sex. Yeah. We're not going to. I'm very Christian, but you can tell but everybody. But you can tell anyone you want. Tell them I blew you. Like, do whatever you want. Like, I did that so much. I was like, I'm, I'm going to let everyone think that I slept with these. I'd have, like, it was bad. Oh, my God. My first, though, in middle school, like, ever almost boyfriend that I dodged, same thing. They were like, Mackenzie, you don't like boys. Like, what's going on? Like, you haven't dated anyone. It was like, you know, I'm thinking in French years, so I'm trying to think. But, like, yeah, it was middle school. Whatever. I was like... 10 or something, and there was this guy, Midi, who said that he, like, liked me, but it was kind of the same thing, like, his friends had kind of pressured him, like, why don't you like everyone, everybody decided for us, like, okay, Mackenzie and Midi should date, right? 
And I was like, I don't know. I have to think about it. And people pressured me. And then I finally came to school and I was like, okay, fine. I was like, you know what, Midi? I guess you and I, I guess people are saying we should date. We should date. And he was like, well, actually, I've been meaning to tell you because it was 9-11 and he was, he's Muslim and I was American. He was like, I don't think we can date because our countries are going to be at war. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Good point. We should not date. Absolutely. Politics. Oh, too complicated, man. And I'm pretty sure he's gay now. Yes. Let's get those geopolitical reasons in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that's the best. (laughs) So here you are avoiding boyfriends like the plague and yet you still can't make sense. Like there's just, (laughs) that's what's so funny about being able to look back because I, I mean, Cecilia is like this so much too that like everything like regularly she'll think of she'll have a memory or find a photo and being like how did I not know like oh if I'd only like had this show or had this kind of movie like Mm -hmm. I would have known I was gay and like some of the things are just very normal things I'm like no that's just part of childhood (laughs) but like but now like looking back to her like everything's a sign that she was like always a big dyke but but growing up in Peru so for her it was cultural she didn't know anybody who was gay. And it's funny, two of her closest friends who she grew up with, you know, ha- have come out. And one one is trans now and, and one's a lesbian. And they were all very close. But, you know, but growing up, like, while they were friends and hanging out, it wasn't until they all moved away, you know, that they realized, like, yeah. oh, wait, I'm, I'm gay. Yeah, <laughs> most of my best friends from childhood, like, not necessarily, like, in my French group, I don't think, but, like, my best friend, Mikael, I mean, he's always known. He's always known he was gay. And he, like, told me and had to keep it a secret because, like, you know, family and stuff for a little bit. But, like, him and then my friend Everest, like, it was just, like, I gravitated towards people who are queer without knowing it. And that's really interesting how that happens, you know? Like, you're like, oh, we're both weird and we both don't kind of fit in, but I don't know why, but I think I'm going to hang out with you. It's just interesting. (laughs) Were you ever obsessed with a teacher growing up? (laughs) Yes. Oh, whatever. I'll say her name. I don't care. Madame Dove. (laughs) Yes. At CSU. But, like, you couldn't not be. Like, this woman was gorgeous. And, like, all the guys in the class had a crush on her. Oh, my God. And I just, like... God, I hope no French people listen to the show, but I used to stare at her ass, like, so much, and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm not even listening, like, I cannot, and then she invited us to go see, like, a play she was in, and of course, I was like, yeah, yeah, we should definitely go see this play that Madame Cobbs, I mean, you know, we just want to support her or whatever, you know, and I went with, like, two of my friends, and I can't remember, like, if she took her top off or if it fell off or something, but at some point, I saw her boobs on stage, and I was like, uh... <laughs> What? <laughs> and uh, that definitely, like, made my grades go down. I was really distracted in French class after that. That's yes. so <laughs> Did you, Melody? Yeah, I was in, but I was in fifth grade. I was in love with my art teacher, Ms. Zapata. Mm. Ooh, I'll name. say her name. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she's queer now. Maybe she listens. I don't know. You know, she was an art teacher. So she just like looked queer. She had a very short haircut. She was like super right. like edgy looking. I just I followed her around everywhere. I still have my class of 99 like elementary school shirt where there's like an arrow like there's like a I very much <laughs> everyone signed it. I don't know if you guys did that with your schools like everyone would sign under class of 99. You'd graduate 
elementary school and then you'd get a t-shirt with everyone's signatures and there's like a heart around Miss Zapata's. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> well, now you're bringing up a memory for me. I didn't have a crush on any teacher, but I did have a, a teacher I remember and it was fifth grade and she kissed me in class and I was like obsessed with the fact that she kissed me in front of everybody. Like she came and kissed me on the cheek, but there was like a math problem that she posed and nobody was getting it right and everybody was like guessing and yelling and trying to get it right and they were only getting further and I raised my hand and I get it right and she was so excited that I'd like figured out like what she was the problem that we were trying to solve that she came up and like grabbed my face and like planted one on me whoa wait like on your lips no, no, okay, like on my like, cheek, okay. but 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 like, <laughs> but but like getting like that affirmation like from my female teacher, even though she was like an older woman. What maybe this is where maybe this is the root of my thing for older women, actually. But yeah. like I told like everyone in my family, and I'm like, she kissed me, she kissed me. I got the prom right. She kissed me, and I was like very motivated academically uh, after that. <laughs> Oh, man. I know it's kind of creepy, but something about you, Mackenzie, checking out a teacher's ass is so funny to me. It was bad. She had these jeans that were so, like, tight, like, in a good way, but, like, she she worked them, but, like, it was... Like, I remember what her ass looks like more than her face, and that's terrible, and I feel really bad about it, but, like, yeah. Yeah. My aunt actually recently... I guess came out to me because I have not come out to my extended family, only my parents and my sister. And I was like, and just let the Persian gossip run, (laughs) you know, like they're all going to gossip and find out anyways and look at my social media and tell their parents that's fine. But I had to go to my grandpa's funeral and I was suddenly in a room with everyone who knew I had a girlfriend and that I was hanging out in New York and took the train in from visiting my girlfriend and they're all like afterwards they're like where's melody going oh we need to drop her off at the train station where's why and it was on my way out of my grandpa's funeral drunk and just was like to go stay with my girlfriend i have a girlfriend (laughs) and that's how i came out to everyone and my aunt chased me out of the house into the driveway and like took me by the shoulders like I just need to tell you in Farsi she said this but she followed this woman around a TJ Maxx for like over half an hour because she had such an amazing ass and she like described her ass to me and and then I'm thinking about like hints from my childhood I'm like she was the queer one she was the one picking up all the women and making them shimmy and dance with her and was like very handsy Oh, my God. So, like, we have signs about ourselves, and I think we also have signs about other adults sometimes, and that's all (laughs) recently been rushing back to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's really funny because I feel like no one in my family knew. Like, they were unreasonably shocked when I came out, even though, like, I was always sort of, like, kind of the boy of the family, not necessarily aesthetically, per se, but sort of, like... If a guy was mean to my little sister, like, I would go beat him up. Like, my dad would be like, okay, you know what to do. But they were so shocked. But then I feel like there were, like, people, like, friends who I probably told things to who I would not have told my family who were like, oh, yeah, no, that totally, like, tracks for you kind of thing. I had someone try to tell me I was gay at one point. 
like, while I was in a relationship with a dude, he was like, your boyfriend's gay, and you are too. And he didn't exactly <laughs> say it like that, but he heavily hinted at it, and I got, like, so upset. I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Like, never mind. Yeah, how do you react? My parents, I'm not kidding, used to ask me growing up if I was gay. Oh, no. <laughs> Point blank to my face, my dad would be like, Melody, are you gay? Like, because I hated men. I was, like, getting in fights a lot. See, me too. Why did my dad ask me if I was gay? <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a, it was, like, more him probably problematically like judging my character as like you're right. acting like a lesbian not that I'm showing interest in women but just like all signs of your personality point to gay right so are you <laughs> the way he was asking you I'm sure like you know if like someone asks you in that way but like, people asked me but if they ask it with the subtext of like are you fucking weird like of course you're gonna say no because yeah. you're like well I'm weird but not like weird the way you're thinking I'm weird like would I make out with a girl if she asked me sure like, but that doesn't mean I'm weird. You know what right. I mean? Like, you yeah. rationalize it in your head. I think if people used a different tone, they might, like, get the truth. Right. It's an accusatory tone. <laughs> so so when it happened to you, Mackenzie, like, did that make you think? Or did that stick in your head? Was that something that you came back to? I mean, no. And after, like, like I said, years of therapy, I think that I basically, okay, so, like, I was in the closet during, even after I started to have hints of, realizing that I was gay, like, a few years later, I was stuck in a more or less, like, complicated, not great relationship with a man for, like, six years. He lived with me. It was, like, a whole thing. And I realized, like, during that relationship that I was probably queer because I started going to therapy. And I was, like, having... Because I was having panic attacks every single day. Like, I've always had anxiety disorder, but it was, like... I was, like, passing out and stuff. And I was in the closet, and I had suspicions that I might be, and I did not tell anybody... And I had a manager who was, like, making me dye my hair blonde, seeing a speech coach to make my voice three octaves higher, like, mm. dressing really girly, like, and sending me out for roles, like, girl in bikini number three. Like, I was right. so depressed and miserable, and I was, like, lying to everyone. So, like, the short answer is, like, no. But I think that, like, sometimes with religious trauma and other things, like, you get really good at, like selecting what you want to remember and it's only through like a lot of work that you like start to actually remember what what really happened you know I don't know that's what it was like for me anyway do you remember seeing any queer content like on tv or in the movies that you were like really drawn to and maybe didn't know why or kept revisiting (laughs) Actually, no. Like, it was only when I was trying to figure out if I was gay that I, like, somebody talked about the L word, and I, like, went home and, like, looked it up and then binged all the seasons. And then, like, spontaneously, like, decided to go to Berlin with my best friend who was gay. I was like, I think I might be a lesbian, but I'm not sure, and I think we should go to Berlin to figure it out. And so that way I was like, that way if I fuck people, like, nobody will know because they'll be in a different country. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, like, to answer your question, like, no, I didn't really have, like, queer content. I remember the first time I ever saw, like, any kind of lesbian relationship was on stage. Similar thing. Had a huge crutch on my drama teacher. Gorgeous redhead. And she invited us to go see a play. But she would always invite us to these plays she was doing, like, in the city in Paris. And we never came. So, like, one time she kind of, like, gave us a flyer. I was like, if you have time, like, whatever. And I decided I was going to surprise her and go see this show. So me and my dad decided to go surprise her and go see her in this play. And it was, like, I, I can't remember if it was this play, but it was similar to the relationship in the original of No Exit, you know, between the two women where it's very queer, but it was, like, hyped up. It was, like, full-on lesbian. I think there was no dude on stage. 
So it was a lesbian play with a lot of making out and sexual content. And me and my dad are like watching this together. And I'm like, just like stunned, like watching this teacher that I have a crush on kind of like make out with a woman and like all this stuff. And like, we're just, it was so awkward between me and my dad. We did not talk the whole car ride. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. (sighs) What about the internet? Like, I mean, you mentioned Googling, like if you were a sociopath, but like, I I remember for me, and these are the days of like LimeWire and Kazaa or whatever, I was like researching scenes from things where like two women kissed and then was trying to find like clips of that to download. Like, and when I really became like, I went when nobody was home, I would immediately like drop everything I was doing and go to the computer and do this like lesbian research. And that's like kind of what helped when I had my first crush. I was like, Oh, that's why I was doing that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) No, I literally didn't. I don't know what was wrong with me, but like, I didn't know what asexual was, but I was pretty sure that I was asexual and a sociopath. And that, uh, like I had kind of rationalized in my head that I was like, this is going to make me really successful because I'm not going to have any distractions. Yeah. And I like, didn't even masturbate until I was like in my like mid twenties or something. Like it was really bad. And it was only like, I had sex with a girl for the first time while I was in Berlin on my weird trip. And the next, literally the next morning was just like, oh my God, I'm gay. And I've always been gay. Like immediately knew. Click. Before that, like didn't, like was not really into sex. Never fucking looked anything up, including straight sex. And was just like, oh, there's just something really wrong with me that I don't talk about. It's just because I'm so ambitious. It's that I'm so busy thinking about other things. That's funny. I wish I worked on my ambitions rather than masturbating throughout my adolescence. No, like, where would dude, I be now? Don't do that because what you do <laughs> is you go down. I spent 10 years of my career pretending to be someone I was not. And I didn't book shit. Like it doesn't do anything to lie to yourself or not take pleasure for yourself. Like that's just a fucking like Christian self-flagitory bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like a light version of what you're talking about where I, I like tried to masturbate because I thought like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I didn't enjoy it at all. And I didn't know if it was like my Catholic upbringing or whatever, or oh. if it was just like, I didn't know what I was attracted to. So it was like very hard for me to think of myself as, as a sexual person. Yeah. But I also kind of tied it to like, well, I'm just like really creative and I have a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I had no idea. I don't think I like even, yeah, man, like I'm definitely not asexual now, but like I could have sworn that something, cause I just, I didn't think it was an option. Like I literally Never seen women kiss, really. I hadn't seen any lesbian content. I didn't think it was, like, really a real thing. I literally thought that lesbians were people who just kind of, like, lived together and told people they were in a relationship and maybe hugged at night. Like, I remember when I first started coming out, I told my therapist, I was like, wait, but, like, I really enjoyed having sex with that girl. Does this mean, I'm like, if I date a girl, am I never going to have sex again? And she was like, what do you think the whole point is and I was like right right that makes sense okay cool my, my therapist is gay for context just so you know oh, oh. Uh, fantastic <laughs> um do you still see the same therapist oh yeah I fucking love her she's amazing and just awesome. so we're clear she never suspected I was gay so she didn't like nudge me in that direction at all I like came to her crying was day and I was like I think I'm a lesbian and she was like I don't are you sure like okay I'm not sure that that's but all right wow 
Yeah. You know, you talk about being friends with boys or like being seen as like more of the the boy one in your family. And I I think a lot of queer women can relate to maybe being the tomboy Mm. when they were younger. But as far as that being a sign, that's kind of a hard one because there are so many people, regardless of their sexuality, that, that aren't playing a very strict, outdated gender role. Absolutely. I, I look, yeah, I, I look back and I remember when I was really young that I was, you know, watching wrestling and wanting to go to my friend Jacob's house and watch wrestling or my neighbor Matt came over to play Legos with me. And at, at recess, I would play soccer with the boys. And that was like very much how I was. But I can't look back at that and being like, oh, should have known right. then because... I know people who are also like that and they're very much straight, you know? Yeah, that doesn't mean anything, but I think it, like, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, whatever makes you, like, other. Like, for me, right? when I first came out, I tried to look for evidence of being a tomboy, right? Because I was like, oh, this will make me feel better about my sexual identity. But then, like, the more I become comfortable with my sexuality, the more years go on, I'm like, I've always been the same person, which means, like, when I was a kid, I wore huge baggy shorts and put glitter all over my fucking face. So I was like a tomboy in drag like that was my thing and I was obsessed with Glenda the good witch and my mom said that like she thought there was something wrong with me because like I didn't make eye contact with people I was like really uninterested in being touched and when Glenda the good witch would come on screen I would walk up to the screen and pet her face with my Uh, hand my god (laughs) my favorite sign (laughs) so far (laughs) Just like was so concerned that she was doing okay in her little box in the TV. It's like, are you all right? Yeah, there's something about her that she really does kind of, I think, uh, draw you in. She's a drag queen. Like, that's why I loved her. She was queer for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no. But like, I think that like, for me, I'm always looking at like those signs where I'm like, oh, it's like something other, you know, in the sense of like mixing two things, like liking pink, but wanting to play with cars, like. And those right. can't be signs because I also know people who are femme through and through and are as gay as the gay as, as the day is long. But for me, like those resonate, I guess, with my queerness. I relate so hard. I just got a message from my freshman year college roommate. I went to college my first semester, all of it. I was 17 and confused. I only started watching The L Word because we sprung for the Showtime package for our suite in our dorm. And I just watched all of it and I was like, okay, I'm queer because I didn't kiss boys or girls. Like no one in high school. I was like super repressed, but I just um, was messaging with, I was prude through and through. Um, But like no one made fun of me because I had smoked weed. Um, Like I was cool in that way and hung out with the boys. But I was just reconnecting with my freshman year roommate who is a straight woman. And we just discovered we both live in the city now and we're planning to meet up once everything's safe. And she just goes, yeah, let's meet up. I'll meet up with you as long as you wear that basketball jersey and ruffly white skirt you tried to pull off. <laughs> yes, I love it. I'm sorry, did I do that? Because I have no recollection. And she's yes. like, Melody, you used to pair the most butch and femme things. And I'm like, I'm so confused. I've like buried these memories. Cause and she like I I made her describe exactly the articles of clothing just to be sure. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I had that. Okay, I really did that. I really tried it. 
<laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I had like super short hair and like my favorite outfits were either like these super baggy like jean shorts and t-shirt or this like dress with like a really high collar, but then I would wear it with these like really dirty tennis shoes and my mom was always trying to like make me wear a little Mary Janes with it and I was like, "No." Like, I want to wear the tennis shoes so I can be in a dress and then climb things so it's fun when it, like, goes over my head. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. Man. You thinking about your outfits? (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. I mean, I definitely, like, I had the, like, baggy oversized shirts for a while, but it was also the 90s. So, Yeah. yeah, I was wearing, you know, I was tying, like, flannel around my waist and and all that stuff. But I didn't have so much of those like contrasting things. I think I just like eventually wanted to be more normal and wanted to fit in. So I did things to not call attention to myself. So I started Mm. wearing like solid colors a lot. And a lot of things I would buy were just like all solid colors. And I was really afraid of wearing like anything that made kind of a statement for a while just because I felt so different from everybody around me and I'm like how how do I blend in that's so interesting because like what I'm talking about right now is like when I was a little kid but I think that's so true like when you're in puberty and like whether I was aware of being queer or not you know like I already felt so this is the other thing is I felt like I couldn't afford to be queer I was like I'm already like people my my name rhymes with McDonald's and French doesn't rhyme, but like there's lots of jokes with McDonald's you can make with my name in French. Like yeah. <laughs> I had an accent when I first moved there. I kept changing schools. And so like by the time I like reached like puberty, I was like, I am going to try to dress as normal as fucking possible. Right. And only like when I was a teenager slash now skipping that awkward phase that I had where I tried to be straight uh, while I was living in the U.S., like it's all like actually pretty similar to how I like who I was when I was like four years old and really fucking confident. But yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, there's so much that you learn as an adult about like going back to what brought you joy as a yes. kid and like what made you happy before society and like all the negative things of life just ruin you. For yeah. Years for like 15 years of your life, society fucks you up and makes you afraid to do anything that brings you joy. I actually had like an older businessman tell me this. I was going into a PhD program and he's like is that really what you want to do what brought you joy as a kid (gasps) wow and I was like what he's like did you like to research or like (laughs) be alone and like be where you I'm like no no like I would you know put on plays and I would make like video SNL sketches and you know write crazy stories and try to be funny and he's like okay why are you getting your PhD then you know, and like, he's like, you will never be happy unless you go back to doing the things that brought you joy as a child. And I was like, wow, I can't believe this like Coca-Cola executive is <laughs> my life right now. <laughs> he was like, I always wanted to be a Coca-Cola executive, even when I was four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, well, he was actually an engineer and he talked about how as a kid, he always took everything apart. Oh, that makes and sense. He would get yeah. in trouble because he took everything apart so he could see how it worked and putting things back together. So he became an engineer. That's so and funny. And he's like, 
always been happy in his career and always been successful because that's like naturally what what he goes to. And I'm like, where was that advice when, you know, in those like formative years? I think the culture is changing too. Like, you know, in the performing arts, like, I don't know what it's like when you're a comedian, but like as an actor, like, oh my God, like drama school was just like a fucking machine for stripping you of everything that made you unique like oh you walk like a dude let's make you walk more femme how about you lose 100 pounds how about you like lighten your hair and all this stuff to like literally everybody that comes out looks like three different people right yeah like that's it three different white people too like if you weren't white like good luck you know what I mean like yeah it's like funny like looking back at like when I was a kid I often like to like requalify it where I'm like you know I wouldn't call it tomboy or like girly I'm like I was always extra like if I was just really extra, like everything in my closet, I wanted to wear it at once, you know, I like always yeah. wanted attention and I was kind of loud slash shy. Like I'm also an introvert, but you know, like just, just everything at once, like all gender just smushed into one person. Right. You know what I mean? Same. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's your sign? Had to ask. Oh my God. I'm like, I don't know anything about astrology, but I'm a Taurus. That makes sense. That's why we're all getting along so well. Earthy, earthy. Were there any celebrities that you had crushes on? I know that for a lot of people, like having a celebrity is like a root. Yes. Is a big sign. So because I'm a huge dork and I like to be overprepared, I was like looking up like things to talk about today because I was like, what if I run out of things to say? So and I found out through this research that apparently like, okay, liking Peter Pan and liking Harry Potter because they look like little lesbians. Also, like, mm-hmm. let's be real, Mary Martin was hot. And Mary now Martin? I, yeah. Now, like, we all understand now. It makes sense, you know? Oh, um, my God. Allie yeah. literally has a joke about how she's like, the first girl I dated looked just like Peter Pan. Because uh, that's, <laughs> that's a great starter lesbian. <laughs> starter lesbian? Oh, my God. I was obsessed with Mary Martin. And I swear, like, a lot of the girls I dated, like... They look like Mary Martin. Like, they look like, you know, they're like tomboy lesbians with, like, short hair. Um, yeah, pixie cut, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then, like, like same thing with, like, Daniel Radcliffe. I, I was obsessed with him until he hit puberty. But it was, like, one Me of too. those things where it was, like, once they started yeah. to, like, look like dudes, I was like, oh, no, I'm out. I'm sorry. But I was obsessed yeah. with um, Elise. Do you know her, Carolyn? Because, like, she's a French singer. No. From, like, the the late 2000s, like, Moi, je m'appelle Lita. Okay. No, I, I definitely know that song. I I don't know what she looks like, though. She looks like all the femmes I've dated. She's got, like, okay. short, she's got, like, brown hair. <laughs> she's, but, yeah, I was, like, obsessed with her, and I had, like, a poster of her on my wall. Oh, my God. And there's this story. Okay, this story makes it really ridiculous that I didn't know I was gay. I used to cover my entire walls with magazine cutouts of women, including Victoria's Secret, because I thought they were pretty. And my older (laughs) sister was like, that's fucking weird. Why are you doing that? So she made me take them down. So then I created a binder of pretty women (laughs) that I then brought to school. Binders full of women. (laughs) And I started a small business of selling them for like 10 centimes to like guys in the playground. And all the girls were like, like they didn't know the word gay yet. So they didn't call me that, but they were like, that's weird. Like, they were, I was like, do you want one? They're really pretty. And they're like, no. Like, why would I want a picture of a girl? Like, I am a girl. So, like, it was me and, like, all the guys in school. And they're like, ooh, can I have one of the ones in the underwear? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I have one. Oh, this one I'm keeping for me. But I have a couple left, you know. This one's 20 cents. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, baseball cards. 
Yeah, I feel like this is a good business model now. I'm just going to curate a collection of magazine cutouts. Yeah, call it a zine. Sell them at the dyke cookout. Yeah, it works. (laughs) Wait, you were into this French lesbian or lesbian or was she just a singer? She's just a singer. Pretty sure she's straight. That was you said late. 90s early 2000s this is also Mm -hmm. around the time of tattoos all the things she said did you see that music video oh my god i my sister i think someone gave her an album wait is tattoo the one with the two girls who were like russians yeah 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 yeah. okay my sister got an album of that for her birthday and no that was the first time i ever saw my sister told me they were like that she had to throw away the album because my mom wanted her to toss it Mm because it had like lesbians and i was like who cares if they're lebanese like it's fine like just let them sing and they're cute like what's the problem (laughs) so i i heard the album once before my sister had to throw it away love it yeah those were some of the first lesbians i'd seen and was like kind of turned on by (laughs) yes they were yes Mm-hmm. I, I also had that, but I just had a hilarious memory of a friend who called me and was like, Carolyn, I'm in this cafe and it's saying that it's lesbian food. And I'm like, are you sure you're not in a Lebanese cafe? And they're like, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> they went so far as to call me and be like, can you explain what the food of your people is? The food of your people? Like you're in a Lebanese cafe. Uh, I was like, where is it. this place and why haven't I been there? <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, when you were prepping for this episode, was there any other <laughs> thing that we haven't covered yet in terms of the signs? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered most of my gay stories. They're great ones. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Just me being anal retentant and being like, all right, so I have to list like <laughs> As Capricorns, we love when someone comes prepared. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's our kink. Well, Mackenzie, this has been so wonderful catching up and talking to you. And I hope when things are open, which apparently in July, July they'll be 1st, totally allegedly. open. Yeah. But I hope we run into you in the city at gay functions and yes. gay spaces. <laughs> yeah, it'll be nice to see you again. And where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter. I have like two tweets, but Emma, Emma Wilman. <laughs> yeah, Emma Wilman. Uh, Mac Lansing, I think, on Twitter. I think. <laughs> and then on Instagram, Mackenzie Lansing, my first and last name. And uh, I do reply to DMs. Just don't be weird. yes please don't be weird uh (laughs) love it and then how many you're gonna break my heart with this answer how many episodes is mare of v-stown in total there's seven episodes and i think i'm in five or six of i know there's so few oh man we'll take it though it's a limited series right like this is it yeah for right now it's a limited series hopefully things change if they do i'm on board but like right now yes it's a limited series but uh keep watching the show because the more viewers the better yes listeners please watch the show it is incredible Mackenzie is incredible in it we are such fans we can't stop gushing over it thank you so much Mackenzie. so nice meeting you thank you you too so much fun guys Carolyn, are you ready for this listener question? I am. Wait, I just need to stop thinking about Mayor of Easttown because it's all I think about lately. No spoilers. Allie's out of town. I'm <gasps> behind. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm done. I'm done. I turned it okay. off. Okay. Okay. It is, it's so good, though. But in the meantime, I will ponder this listener question. Great. Hey, Carolyn and Melody. I'm a gynosexual 
pan romantic cisgender female. I told my parents a year ago that I am queer. I recently figured out what parts of queerness I fit. I am wondering how to tell my parents that I know I have a different sexual orientation than romantic orientation. Here's the catch. I'm 13 years old. I love your show and can't stop telling my queer friends about it. I've definitely not listened to the Femme for Femme episode five times. <laughs> I'm also a hockey and lacrosse player, yes. Thank you from a sort of baby gay. Well, look at that. Usually we cut out the flattery from the listener questions, but Melody, because you did the Femme for Femme episode with Allie, you kept it in. Yeah, I kept it in because that's my episode with my girlfriend. Nepotism. And I, Pure nepotism. I played lacrosse in high school, so I kept that part in. I love my girlfriend in my episode with my girlfriend, so you know that's in. And then I love that. Just telling her queer friends about it. Yes, yes. Thank you for spreading the gospel of diking out. Well, well, I hope you continue to spread it after I give my answer. Because maybe this isn't the uh -oh. answer you want to hear. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to tell your parents. We're going to say, how about don't? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, unless you have a really interesting relationship with your parents, I they don't need to know that. Like, my mom and dad, they have no idea why I'm attracted to the people I'm attracted to or how my orientation goes beyond the fact that I'm just a lesbian. Like, that, that's enough information for them. That's almost too much information. And that's not saying that they're not accepting. It's like... The details of how you love or how you feel attraction and romantic attraction for sexual attraction and all of that, I don't know why your parents need to know that. Yeah. And because you're 13 and we know that all of this stuff is a journey and the more you grow, the more you learn about yourself, the more you date people, everything, you're collecting information along the way collecting data and you might come to different conclusions at different points and that is fine and that is valid and that doesn't take away from the validity of the labels you're giving yourself right now. But if you tell your parents, okay, I know I told you this, but now I'm telling you this and then maybe a year later it changes and then you tell them, you run the risk of them now not taking you seriously. So queer is a great umbrella catch-all it lets them know they need to have an open mind about who and how you love. And I think that's enough. Yeah. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. What do you think, Melody? Well, here's the catch. I'm 32 years old. And you as a 13-year-old know yourself and the facets of your queerness better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on right now. Um, and... I love that for you. And yes. that's for you and for your friends right now. And yeah, I don't I agree with what you're saying, Carolyn. I don't need to echo everything, but I'm yeah. with you on that. Like if you want to talk to your friends about it, sure. But the people that really need to know are the people that you're attracted to or the people that you're engaging with in that way and yourself. But outside of it, parents especially, I just don't think that information is relevant. I don't think it's needed. I think it would just, it could confuse them. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe everybody's parents are, are different. I'm like, but these aren't 
maybe boomer parents, like... Yeah, but I'm thinking when I'm a mom... If my kid wants to confide in me about stuff, like, that's that's great. But I don't feel like they're obligated to tell me the specifics of how they're, like, unless there's some type of support that they need from me in that. You know, like, you're not really keeping anything from them. Right, you're not that's... hiding, a, you're not, like, hiding a part of yourself. These are details that usually people don't tell their parents. It's, yeah. It's nothing to really come out about after you've come out as queer. Like, that's what queer is, like, (laughs) it is all-encompassing. And I think that's enough. I mean, the only thing I would say is if you really have this relationship with your parents where you tell each other everything and you really want them to know the nitty-gritty of your, your feelings and your attraction and everything, but because you're writing in and saying you're wondering how to tell them, I'm guessing that really isn't your relationship. So just don't tell them. They don't need to know. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you. I hope you keep telling your queer friends about diking out. I think it's awesome that you have queer friends. That's really cool. I think it's also awesome that you play hockey and lacrosse. And for, yeah, here's the catch. I'm 13 years old. Well, yeah, you're way more advanced than either of us were. You live in your best queer life, you know? Sounds like you're doing it right. And, you know, wishing you the best, hoping that you're going to have your best queer summer. If you have any questions for us, you can send them to dykingout at gmail.com and we will answer them on this podcast. You can follow us on social media at Dyking Out Everywhere and at Dyking Out Podcast on TikTok. Maybe I'll bait Rosie on TikTok. Maybe I'll tell her, I'll flirt with her there. Okay, let's just change our account name from at Dyking Out Podcast to Notice Me Rosie. And like, <laughs> just have a theme. Like, I think that we need just like that congruency, you know, and right. that's our focus and it's going to work for us. You know, I have the vision board and everything. It just, it really needs to come to fruition. Maybe I need to flirt with her assistant. I think that's the problem. Yeah. We already have Rosie on the hook. It's the assistant who's being dodgy. Okay, you can follow me. Get off LinkedIn, Carolyn. Get on TikTok. Flirt with Rosie and her assistant. Uh, Come on. (laughs) And you can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thanks so much for diking out with us this week. And... We'll see you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.